Thank you very much. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Um, my name is David Billadell, and I'm a family law attorney in uh, Newton, Massachusetts. And I have the pleasure of being joined by a really exciting panel today, um, apropos of the, um, some S the SJC orders we received last week and uh, county-specific probate and family court orders we just recently received that are on the mass.gov website. Um, I've got uh, Judge Jennifer Allen, who is an Associate Justice in the Northern Division of the Middlesex Probate and Family Court. We also have Judge Susan Rickey, who's uh, now retired, but uh, spent a lot of time in the Worcester uh, Probate and Family Court. She's now in private practice doing mediation, conciliation, master work, um, and we also have Laura Gibbs, also a family law attorney. She's the co-founder and managing partner of Gibbs and Heinley, which is in Wellesley, Massachusetts. Um, thank you so much, uh, all of you, for participating today. Really appreciate it. Um, so the topic for today is virtual hearings. And um, again, we it's good timing, I think, because we just got a lot of information about how hearings should be conducted. I know a lot of lawyers have probably already done telephone hearings, uh, maybe as recent as, as April or May. Um, so some people may be familiar with, with some of those procedures, but, but we did get a lot of information uh, very recently about all of this, uh, apropos of the courts reopening uh, yesterday, in fact. And, um, but I think, uh, and, and, and the panel can jump in, but I, I think we're probably gonna be using virtual, whether it's Zoom, whether it's telephone for, for a, a good while to come. So it's, it's critical that um, you know how to, how to get these hearings scheduled, how to interface on them appropriately and properly, and how, um, how to get your clients to do the same thing, very important. Um, so we're hoping we can go through all of that for, for the audience today um, and talk about that. Um, there is, so I mentioned it a couple times already uh, before I turn it over to the panel, there, there have been some probate and family court specific, county specific um, you know, protocols that have been set forth. Those are available on the mass.gov website. Um, because we have Judge Allen, I think it's, we'll, we'll take advantage of her being here with us and, and talk specifically about Middlesex. And, and I know Judge Ricky has some of the details in Worcester. So um, Laura and I will also try to provide as many other details as we can from other counties. But um, why, don't we, why don't we start in with uh, Middlesex um, and, and those policies, uh, Judge Allen, do you wanna jump in? So uh, last, well, yesterday, there was a new court operations procedure that was published. Um, so if you go onto mass.gov and then into the probate and family court, and then within that, there are links to each county. Um, there is a new operating procedure, which uh, reads uh, similar to a lot of the ones we have received thus far in COVID, but with some new um, added information uh, that allows us to um, allows you to understand uh, what the processes are for uh, starting July 13th, and then also 
on August 10th. So those are the two periods that um, the SJC um, asked us to put the standing order together. Um, there's general information as to coming into the courthouse and uh, what the procedures will be here, including temperature checks and a checklist of information and what happens if you do have a fever, et cetera, et cetera. Um, masks being required for entry and to be worn at all times within the courthouse. Um, and there are, is also um, information as to how to use the uh, new virtual registry, uh, which is up and running and the types of proceedings where you should be, when you should be coming into the court, when you should not be coming into the court, when you should be using the virtual registry, uh, and when you should uh, be using e-filing, which is, uh, or e-mailing, excuse me. So e-mailing at this point is, uh, only for emergencies and on, on a very limited amount of, of cases. Uh, one of the um, additions that I noticed, which I do think is important, is, is that in both Cambridge and Lowell now, there are drop boxes uh, for the submission of paperwork. And while that's important for, for new filings, I think it is also important for uh, relative to what we're going to be talking about with virtual hearings, because the ability to get paperwork to uh, your judge when you have a virtual hearing coming up um, is uh, challenging, shall we say, um, and not recommended through clerks and through the AJCM. So now that we have drop boxes, which are checked every two hours, um, there's the ability to actually get uh, physical paperwork to us. I just wanted to jump in briefly um, for Norfolk and emailing. Um, they have made it very clear that they are not accepting any emailing. So uh, you have to use the Dropbox or have it you know, courier to the court, uh, but absolutely no emailing. Uh, and that's been in place, I think, since June 15th. And, and Judge Ricky, what's the procedure in Worcester? I have not spoken to any of my former colleagues in Worcester and I apologize. I just read last night from each of the counties, but from what I am reading, which you all of course can go on and read as well, is that the virtual, uh, I'm sorry, the in-person hearings, even if you go on mass courts and there's a scheduled hearing for July 20th or whatever, that is not necessarily the date. Mm -hmm. You will be contacted by the clerk, the session clerk to actually set it up. It's just that I believe the hearings had, that were scheduled March, April, May, and June were given a next date, next date, but it is not necessarily the date that there will be your hearing and whether it will be in person. In Worcester, at least for this month, between July and August, perhaps in other counties as well, the only types of in-person hearings, if you get a call that yours will be in, in, in person rather, it's an evidentiary hearing or a trial. So it could be an evidentiary hearing on a motion or any other types that the court determined they wanted examination and cross-examination, but it is not going to be your typical representation motion for temporary orders. Then in August, beginning in August 10th in Worcester, in addition to evidentiary hearings and trials, in person they will be scheduling, you won't be scheduling, the bar will not be scheduling, the court will be scheduling motions for temporary order regarding children and contempt actions. 
So for this first month, they're just going to do evidentiary hearings and trials. Again, not exactly what is on mass courts. Expect a call from the clerk to tell you when it's really going to be. But next month, meaning August 10th going forward, they will add in motions for temporary orders for in-person and contempts. Judges are now all in the courthouse in Worcester five days a week. I'm not saying that they weren't. I know that sometimes they were staggered and their clerks, but everybody is now back in. But there is a limit in every county and in every, not just every county, every courthouse of how many persons can be in the building. And in Worcester, which is a multi-divisional courthouse, having housing court, juvenile court, district court, superior court, not a freestanding probate and family court, of course, that will limit the number of persons that can be in the building. And I presume that the, the registers and the clerks are figuring out if other courts are, how many persons in live persons are coming into the building. So okay. those are the unique parts from Worcester that I picked up from. Uh, thank, you. thank you, Judge. And I just, if, if the audience can see the uh, chat window, um, it's not in the question and answer section, but I just sent a link, um, at least to get you started. Um, this is just the Middlesex protocols. And if you, if you follow that link, you'll at least get that PDF and then you can work backwards to see the other counties too. But it's, it's, it's all basically in the same place. So- I wanna, Can I just add one thing about coming into the court houses? Um, there is an order in place that uh, even though access is now permitted to go into the registry, there is no access to the courtrooms. So if the, um, if you were coming to file something and you wanted to just, you know, pop into to Judge Monks's courtroom to try and schedule something, um, that's not permitted. So there's only, so they are regulating where everybody goes and how many people go into the actual registry. Um, and you have to make, I think that they're making, you have to make appointments to see actual files. You have to see a person at the registry first. You can't go to the file department. So, but you can't go into the uh, courtrooms at any time. So um, not maybe as efficient as everybody wants it, but just because of the monitoring of how many people are within the courtroom, that's, um, uh, that's been put in place for now. And that's an important, a very important point. I'm sure Laura used to do this too, but often I would go to the courthouse just to talk to the clerk, you know, this is coming up or this is going on, what do you want to do? Those sorts of conversations can be very helpful in managing a case. Um, so it's a very good point that we still can't, we, we still should not be going in just to do something like that. Um, and I know, um, Laura, I'm wondering if you were, my memory is from the, the, the bench bar uh, seminar that we went to with Judge Gorman, she more or less said that they're not, they don't really want anybody in the building at least until September. There's not gonna be any hearings in person, I think, right? My understanding is that um, the rule for all of our probate courts uh, should be that no one shows up unless yeah. they are asked to show up at the courthouse. Um, now that's different than you know dropping something in a Dropbox or delivering something via mail, mm -hmm. but um, don't expect to show up at any of the courts and come in. Uh, so just that 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 is on hold and that is going to be on hold for a while. As yep. to hearings, my understanding from Judge Gorman is that what has happened in Norfolk is that they've moved most of the hearings that were you know the April and May hearings into June and July and August. And so that right now, all of the judges' calendars are full, and they are all virtual. So it's all yep. going to be telephonic or Zoom through Norfolk um, through the end of August. So 
if anybody has a hearing, you should expect that it will be telephonic or Zoom and no one will be appearing physically in the court, um, not even for trials or evidentiary hearings until um, sometime in September at earliest. Mm -hmm. Judge Allen, are you doing in-person hearings at all now? What, what criteria are you looking for when you try and determine if it's gonna be a virtual or in-person? So the, so what has happened with my lists and I think is happening uh, with everybody in the North um, is that our lists have been set up for virtual uh, Zoom or telephonic hearings um, with the expectation that that is probably through October. And then, and those lists are being filled. <clears throat> so they're taking all of the um, old, the we'll call them the old cases. So the ones that were um, at the beginning of the COVID uh, shutdown and, and as they sort of move forward and those are being rolled forward into those, what we call a COVID session, we're calling them through Sept August, September and October. So all of those are virtual. But layering on top of that, um, we are scheduling some in-person hearings, but it's particular to the judge. So there's nothing that, there's no particular policy that applies to all of us. We um, have, are each running our courtroom um, as we uh, think it's appropriate considering the case, because you know some cases which are trials have too many people to be able to qualify for the standards now. Um, <clears throat> so I personally have, um, some trials that I'm putting on in August um, and some that I'm doing by Zoom. So I have some in-person, some Zoom trials, and then, uh, and then every day I have, uh, you know, approximately 10 to 12 other Zoom hearings. So as a, as a practice point, should we, at least for the next month or two, should we be assuming that it's going to be a virtual hearing or should we reach out and try and figure out what the format will be. So if you are, if you have something that you think is scheduled, but you have not heard from the court, it's probably not going forward on that day. So let's say for July and for at least certainly for July. And if you haven't heard anything, it's probably in the process of being rolled into a new day. That's what I would, I would think, especially um, in the North. If you have, if you have, if, Many people will have received renewed hearing, new renewed hearing notices for either the same day or a different day, which will then be uh, give them the uh, number to call in or the link to uh, to go on to for a Zoom session of that um, hearing. So, um, and those are for a long time. You would get emails, or you be so. I know that some of the hearings where you had to contact the clerk to provide your contact information to then get a, an invitation on Zoom. Now we have a localized Zoom access. So the notices that are going out now have a, um, it's a group. So you, everybody has one localized uh, link that you go to at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. or 2 p.m. and you're in there with multiple cases and then you get pulled into the virtual courtroom. So it's, they're changing the, the type of, of, uh, of process for the Zoom hearings. And I, and I noticed, uh, Laura, you've probably seen this too, um, you know, when this first started in March, April, May, um, Mass Courts wasn't necessarily recording what the event type was, whether it was telephonic or in person, but it, it does appear that now, at, at least in my cases, it appears that the, 
the clerks are, are really on top of it and it's actually going in now as a as a telephonic versus an in-person i don't know if there's a distinction on mass courts about between telephone and zoom i haven't seen it there's not i don't think that there is a code for the difference but i think that you're now going to see another change where instead of it now saying telephone instead of it saying judge allen telephonic session it's now going to say Judge Allen COVID session. So if you see COVID oh, okay. session, it's going to be, um, it will be, uh, it will show that that will mean to you that you ha are now in a Zoom virtual session for that day. I see, I see. Uh, it's ever changing. <laughs> well, that's why we keep doing this um, and we appreciate all the information. Um, so how, if, if you want to have an in-person hearing, how do you get that? If it, if it, if it, let's say it got scheduled for a telephone, do you have to file a motion? You can, yes, yeah, I, you can do a motion uh, for scheduling of an in-person hearing and have it uh, sent in um, and contact the clerk to bring it, have it brought to the attention of the judge. I'm, I'm not sure how many of those are going to be, quite frankly, allowed uh, in the next two months. Uh, I think that uh, if a if litigants are insisting on an in-person uh, hearing, I think they may be a little bit later in the season. Yep. And what about the other way around? If it's if it's scheduled for in-person, but you don't feel you know the lawyer doesn't feel comfortable or someone doesn't feel comfortable coming in, then uh, what I've been doing is that if anybody's uncomfortable with the in-person that I translate it into a Zoom hearing so and put it on for, and again, can be done by motion. It's best if it's joint because then we, it's obviously it's difficult for us to force anybody to do it either way, but uh, so a joint motion would, would be appreciated. And Judge Allen, for um, cases where people don't have the technology to do Zoom, how are you handling that? Uh, so it depends on what is before me. If there, if it is a motion or even a pretrial, I can do them telephonically. I've done uh, pretrials telephonically. It, it, they, I think when I can see somebody, I think that we can uh, get the most accomplished, but uh, it doesn't have to be. So I'm happy to do them telephonically. And if they don't have the ability, um, sometimes it's difficult with uh, interpreters to do things, uh, to do proceedings either telephonically or on Zoom. Those can be set down for an in-person in person hearing. And those are the ones that I would probably give priority to um, if we have, I have a, you know, a sign language, American Sign Language case coming up. And uh, so I'm gonna have that put down for an in-person hearing. And, and what are right. some, sorry, go ahead, Judge. <laughs> Judge Allen, would there be a hybrid if some someone does not have the capacity to do Zoom and everyone else does, that one person would be on the telephone and the rest would be on Zoom or do you want everybody on the same modem? I, I try, I, I aim for consistency and for everybody because I don't want anybody to feel like they, because they can't see me and they can't see my interactions with the opposing party or that they feel that they're uh, getting, you know, short shrift that way. Uh, but I have had um, several hearings for Zoom where there have been technological issues. And so one 
couldn't you know, people couldn't get their audio going so i just left it at uh just having excuse me they couldn't get their video going so i left it at just having the audio um and it worked fine but i i, I aim for everybody to be on the same wavelength Makes sense and what are let's let's take let's transition a little bit so what are some of the obstacles that we've all we can you know this is really for the whole panel but what are some of the obstacles that we've we've all experienced, whether it be a phone or Zoom, and maybe maybe differences between the two. Um, you know, one of the things I've experienced, and I, I actually haven't done a Zoom hearing yet, but I've done several depositions and a mediation, but um, my, I had, I've had several telephone hearings, and, and sometimes it's, it can be very hard to hear people um, and just make sure everyone, it's, it's never clear if everyone heard what you actually said. Um, that's always my big concern. Right. Well, I think that the, so the, the overarching theme that I would bring is that for prior preparation on all, you know, on all fronts. So your technology have prior preparation, your client have prior preparation and your submissions to the court. So the new, uh, uh, standing order that went out for Middlesex, uh, actually says that anybody who has a virtual hearing should submit all of their paperwork that they want the court to consider. So, um, you know, any uh, any motion, any opposition, mm -hmm. any affidavit, any memoranda, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, should be submitted two full days prior to the hearing. So, and that's in the in the order, and that gives the uh, registry the opportunity to, and that doesn't mean emailing it to the clerk. It means it is physically gotten to the registry okay um and uh because they we are moving away just because of sheer volume uh and lack of so lack of resources and including bodies um to be able to uh assist everybody through email um the so that will give the registry the opportunity to docket and scan everything that comes in and then it's available to me for during the hearing for me to bring up mass courts and review everything online so we're really moving towards getting everything onto um onto our computers so um <clears throat> so that preparation to make sure that everything is submitted is uh is is, is imperative that attorneys uh and self-represented parties prepare in advance and have everything uh, before the court 48 hours in advance. And there are many judges, myself included, I think most people know by now that I'm a reader. And so I, if I can, if it's online, I'm reading it uh, before the night before the day before. So um, the, so we really encourage everybody to do that. As, also prepare your technology uh, and make sure that your, that you have Zoom downloaded if you can onto your device, even your phone. The audio and the video work much better if you download the app rather than just click the call-in number. So we have a lot less issues when people actually download the application and access things that way through their, um, and it is a much clearer line. Uh, and make sure your client has that. I prefer, and it's not, I know that many people don't feel comfortable going to offices yet, so I'm not obviously requiring it, but if your client can be in your office with you, if you're all together, it just minimizes the number of potential problems with technology, um, and you avoid having, you know, your client who is at home with a barking dog or with her, their children or 
in a vehicle. Uh, so it, it is, it really is um, useful if everybody, and then you also have the ability to communicate with them privately. That's what so, I was going to say, Judge. That's a huge point. I'm sure Laura has this, you know, Almost every time there's a hearing, at some point, I need to, you know, whisper something to my client or talk to them about whatever's happening in live times. So if you, even on, you know, one of the tips that I like is that if it's a telephone hearing, I call my client, get them on the line with me, and then conference both of us in on my line. So we're connected. And then if I, and then I can just, you know, switch over and then I'm just one-on-one -on -one with the client, even for a second. Right. And, you know, or if we, for Zoom or phone, just being in the same location, it may, I, I think that's a critical point to consider and talk to your clients about because a lot gets missed if you can't physically be with them in, in the representation, I think. Well, and part of the, of the prior prep, it also gives you an opportunity to remind your client to change their name. Um, if they are <laughs> borrowing someone else's device yeah. or their children have used it because everyone was homeschooling. And so um, I, I know um, some of the judges have said, I, don't, I didn't even know who to let in from the waiting room because the names weren't matching who was in the caption on the pleading. So things like that that seem trivial, but are part of where the prep, you know, making sure they've downloaded the app, making sure that they know how to troubleshoot if they can't. Um, and during one of our practice sessions, I just could not get the link to work. So I had to shut down my computer, restart, and then everything was fine. But, you know, a client's going to be nervous. And if they're not in your office with you, to not have any dry runs is probably ill-advised. And also to the prior prep, if you have a pre-trial coming up, um, some kind of four-way meeting, whether it's telephonic or via Zoom, but you still need to comply. Uh, I think, I mean, I, I know that everybody knows that, but it's just worth stating that if you've got to get your submissions in two days in advance and, you know, you've got your pre-trial on Tuesday, you need to be thinking about it the week before at least um, to have your four -way. Changing the name uh, and making sure that your client has everything, um, uh, uh, their their full name is imperative now that we're going to uh, the sort of like holding room for cases where you're going to be uh, in the waiting room for with four uh, other case three four five other cases uh, so that we know exactly who to to let in. So I do. I had one the other day where I had Spider Man that I had to let in. So <laughs> make sure that everything is. Uh, um, that, that it properly reflects the case. So I don't, I don't know how you adjudicate a, a case with a hero on, involved. Superhero. I mean, how do you even handle that? Is it just? Can I use my spidey sense? <laughs> um, Judge Allen, a, a question. Certainly, judges know, and of course, all the attendees know that it's your job to make sure that there is a record, right? It's the court's job, and of course, the clerk's job because there's always got to be a record, and with technology, and as David says, you don't know if, if it's a telephonic hearing, somebody's talking over somebody, not on purpose, you just don't know when somebody stops and starts. If you take a breath, somebody jumps in, thinks it's their turn. But my understanding is that these hearings are um, 30 minutes apart, or have been before, not trials, but, but your motion hearings or status hearings or pre-trials are pretty much scheduled every 30 minutes. And if David and his client need to step out to chat for a moment, or Laura and her client need to step out to chat. It's a lot of timekeeping for the court, I would imagine, to make sure everybody uses whatever portion of that 30 minutes. You know, I, I don't think you can take that much time to chat with your clients, to the, to the attorneys and, and to the litigants, right? Because 
at 30 minutes, the next call is going to come in, if I'm correct, or the next Zoom well, is going to come you know, in. With the, with the waiting room now, with the what I'll call the cluster waiting room, um, or the group waiting room, now we can um, let people in and send them back out again to talk. So I'm okay. now scheduling um, the, so it's, mine is not going into effect for until um, after Labor Day, but after Labor Day, it'll be five cases at nine or 8.30 and five at 11. And whoever's ready will come in and I can have a hearing and then I can send them back out. They can continue to talk and then I can bring them back in again. So it is really just like, you know, just like being in court um, and uh, give people an opportunity to, to um, make some headway on their cases and uh, meet confidentially with their clients or or they can talk with uh, opposing counsel. Uh, we're trying to also get probation possibly integrated into that. So um, we'll be able to do that and then uh, and uh, not have to give people successive invites if they do want to come back. Because now like I had a case today that um, they were very close to settlement. So I had I we stopped and I've sent them another Zoom link uh, for later on this afternoon. But uh, with the new uh, group, uh, we should be able to just send people back out. So, so attorneys and clients should be prepared then from 8.30 to 11 to, be, to have their technology available and to be available, just not, right? They have a, a longer period of time when they could have access with you off yeah. and on. Yes, it's so, so it's, um, yes. So now where people are logging on at 8.30 and sometimes, I mean, just the, later in the morning, sometimes we run late. So people, we're not getting to people exactly at the time. So, uh, but there, there is going to be a larger window now. Oh, that sounds like it's going to be a lot more effective for the court to hear more cases. Because one of the things, you know, sometimes you're in the courtroom and there's in five minutes, you can do three cases. And sometimes you have a one case that's 45 minutes and- right timing everything specifically must be a challenge so that's going to be that's great so that that won't be set up until the fall you said so i think that um judge cafazo is already doing it uh just the way that my schedule was um just because of things i already had scheduled i already sent had already sent out so many zoom links for the oh. next couple of months i didn't want to pull all those all those back so mine is going into effect after Labor Day. And then uh, I'm not sure where the other judges are, but that's, I know that Judge Cafazo is already doing it. Mm -hmm. Now, aside from, you know, I wanna get into this in a little bit, you know, sort of the visual and uh, things that maybe people should or shouldn't do. What are some of the procedural or, um, you know, evidentiary concerns that arise from your perspective, when we start doing a telephone hearing or um, a Zoom hearing, what are things that lawyers need to pay attention to? Um, well, so just procedurally, I think that it, it's important to, um, just as a note, I tell your client that it's just like a, a hearing when you're in court, it's, a, it's being recorded, they're going to be sworn in. So it is a formal, uh, court hearing, like I wear my robe and, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's not, it, it is not a meeting. So it is not us all getting together and talking about the case. It is they, and I tell people, um, I tell litigants that uh, it is, it does have the same formality and I ask them to mute themselves uh, <clears throat> for two reasons, one for background noise and also because if they have counsel that they do not need to be talking unless they are specifically called upon by the court or 
<clears throat> their their attorney. So um, I mute the uh, represented litigants. Um, so um, I kind of lost track of the question there. So, uh, so and that's the FTR is still running, right? The, the the FTR is still recording, whether it's phone yeah. or Zoom. Yeah. So it, it records um, in it's recording, I think, in both. And I and we do tell uh, the attorneys and the litigants that they cannot themselves be recording this. Um, uh, depending on the situation, I you know remind people that they are they're not to be talking to other people. Um, and hopefully that's something that attorneys are going over with their clients. But I I, I um, assist self-represented parties in remembering that that it's it is again as if they were standing in front of me in the court and they're not to be um, uh, assisted by other people or talking to other people um, and or getting notes passed to them by other people that that type of thing. That makes perfect sense. Well, one of the things that uh, when I was, we did the seminar last week with uh, Pamela Casey O'Brien, she mentioned that, I don't know if you know anything about this uh, as far as Middlesex goes, but she said um, the policies about cell phone use at the courthouse would be changing. Is that yeah. happening in Middlesex too? So I think the SJC already issued that order saying that the cell phones are now permitted uh, to allow for people because of the such common use or the need now for the cell phone. So I think that I think that SJC order came down last Thursday or Friday that they're has allowing. That, has that played out at all in your courtroom yet? No, I haven't seen anybody yet. So it's uh um it's but it hasn't uh thus far. <clears throat> I've never even when they were not even well when I was in Cambridge they were allowed in and um I never had anybody recording anything that I that I saw. So I think that um that I don't think it's gonna be a big problem. Okay. Well, so one of the, maybe this is a good time. One of the things we wanted to do with you, Judge, is we wanted to play a little game where we present you with some scenarios and uh, I'm going to test the creativity of the rest of the panel. And um, so I'll, why don't, well, I'll start. I'm, I'm asking for a friend whether it's okay <laughs> to wear a, a blazer and a shirt and tie and uh, a bathing suit and sandals when you're on your Zoom uh, hearings. Just asking for a friend. Just asking for a friend, but definitely don't stand up. Um, the, uh, so I, I, what I tell everybody is that, it, again, it's as if you're in court. So you should um, dress appropriate, uh, the same, you should act the same. And um, so I, I think that counsel should definitely uh, be, um, properly attired and encourage their clients to be uh, properly attired. I fully recognize that there are many, many people who do not own suits and I never expect that in, in you know, self-represented parties or, or litigants. I never expected that level of formality out of people, but just to be um, dressed in a way that is respectful. And does uh, Judge Ricky, do you wanna ask? A hypothetical? Um, sure. Um, I've got, I've got how more do you, A funny hypothetical? I'm not that funny, David. You're so much funnier than me. So go on with another one. Um, oh, where, what if someone is Zooming and you know that they're driving in the car, they're at the beach, they're in the supermarket, even though council has asked them 
if it if it, if they're self if they're represented, not self-represented, how would you view that? Of course, we so, all know the uh, answer to this. This is a silly hypothetical. Yeah, no. Well, I think that um, I mean I have had situations already um, with people being in cars driving and not and I'm and just that really is just unsafe. So um, I've terminated <laughs> yeah. the hearing. Um, I, I encourage all lawyers, obviously, to speak to their clients ahead um, of, to make sure that their children, most important, that their children are not around. And I know it's very difficult because people are home and kids were being homeschooled and now they're home for the summer, but to try and find a private place, even either inside or outside, where um, the children are unable to overhear the hearing. Um, and uh, and even if there's a little bit of background noise because the children, you know, if they had to go outside, um, you know, they can, they're going to be muted. So it's okay. But uh, just to really find a private space. And I think it's just better because then they can, as I explained to them, they can think then and they can hear me. And this is important stuff that, that um, is affecting their life. So I want them to be able to, um, to participate. Uh, so certainly making sure that their children are not around, also containing their pets and making sure I had one hearing where somebody was um, got up, a lawyer got up to deal with their dog, you know, many, many times. And it was very distracting um, and something that I think could have been dealt with you know, really anticipated could have been an issue and dealt with in, in advance. So um, again, the, you know, I feel like I'm beating the, the same drum, but the way that you would act in court and, you know, so let's, you know, we want to try and keep some, uh, some formality to, to it. And I explained to, uh, the, at the beginning of all my Zoom hearings, that even though it's a more informal process, seemingly, um, and it's the same process where you may well be Zooming with, you know, grandkids or grandparents on the weekends and, you know, cocktail parties on Friday nights, that's not what this is. It's a, it's a formal proceeding. So um, I, I encourage that. Your favorite or least favorite background? I was going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I've told clients: is if you can't, you know, you got to find a quiet, a quiet spot. And if you're concerned about where you act, you know, if you, if you're in the bathroom, you know, not using the bathroom, but if you're if that's the only quiet place you can go, just use a one of the virtual backgrounds, and you know, it's okay. Is that does that sound right, Judge Allen? Yes, I think so. I always think they're so funny because whenever they move a certain way, like half their head disappears. <laughs> like, I don't really understand it, but it's uh, it. Uh, but whatever is is um, what you know. Again, whatever creates the most formality. Um, so. Well, and I, I think um, my guess is that you probably care a lot about minimizing distractions too for everybody. Absolutely, absolutely close down the hearing and takes away from the time if you have to stop and start to correct. Well, yeah, and we're, you know, everybody's human, the, law, you know, the lawyers and the judges. Um, and, you know, we get distracted when things happen. And if, you're, you're, if your lawyer just did a great job explaining your position, but there's a dog barking the whole time, judge probably didn't hear half of it. I mean, that, you know, that's the risk you take when, when you invite those sorts of things into the hearing. And it really hurts, you know, it's going to, I'm assuming it's going to annoy the judge. And, you know, who knows how that's going to, you know, I don't know that there's maybe, are you issuing penalties of any kind when someone does some of this stuff? But I mean, there's got to be some sort of qualitative ramification of the judge missed an important point or it, it's sort of out of your control, which I think is a real risk to the client. Yeah, 
and in their representation of them. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's easily dealt with where you can just tell your client like you want to put your best foot forward here, so it just makes sense, you know. So, you know, I think for litigants that have been in the courtroom other times, as opposed to first time litigants, this is a little strange to believe that this is the formality of court. I think if you have litigants that have appeared in front of Judge Allen or whoever, the virtual, if it's an in a virtual, a Zoom hearing, that's a lot easier. I think for the, the newer litigants that have not been in, it's hard to understand that. They've not been there, they haven't seen it, they don't know the dynamic, they don't know normally that you'd be sitting at two tables, you know, counsel on one side, counsel on the other side of the room. So I think it's just a learning curve, especially for persons. And I think if you should ask your, your clients if they've never appeared before, it's not like TV. And, you know, it's not, it's not how you see, you know, TV judge shows or law and order shows at all. But I think that they need a little higher learning curve because they've never done it before. Um, it would be interesting, Judge Allen, I think you'll agree. We always, sitting on the bench, you see the attorneys and the parties' faces from the front, but generally the attorneys, because they're sitting next to their client, don't see their clients' faces, right? So now they'll be seeing that on Zoom. That will be interesting. Yeah, that was one of the biggest changes when I came on the bench was that now I could see everybody and it's very enlightening. You know, you learn it is. <laughs> much from seeing everybody uh, and what they're doing and how they're responding to what's being said as you do from what is actually being said by an attorney. But um, so, David, I didn't I don't want to um, move you from your agenda, but I did. I was looking at the question and answers. I'm sorry that's if it. I'm if I'm overstepping, but there no, was no. one I did want to talk to some about um, if that's OK. Yeah, please. All right. So there was somebody who was asking, who was saying that they had they had filed all their paperwork in advance of the hearing, but it's not appearing on the court portal, which I assume they mean mass courts, and what to do about that. And I think that I mean I so well. First of all, like uh, I'm so happy you're filing it in advance, and I'm so happy you're checking mass courts. So if that happens, if you're two or three days away from your hearing, and you know that you have sent things in that have are not appearing on mass courts yet. Um, the first thing I would do is call the registry and say, I have a hearing coming up on July 20th and it's not appearing yet, even though I sent it in three weeks ago. I really, you know, can you uh, help? <laughs> and hopefully they will take your docket number and try and find that, because uh, we have so much that piled up of docket to be docketed and scanned that they will um, take your docket number and try and find that for, because I know that that I'm going to be looking for it as well. So if you can prompt them to do that, that would be wonderful. And then if it still hasn't appeared by the time you get to the hearing, at the beginning of the hearing, say to your judge, um, judge, I wanted to let you know that, you know, you have a, I sent this in on such and such date um, and it's not appearing on mass courts. I want to make sure you have the hard copy, you know, bring it to the judge's attention. Um, so I just wanted to touch so, on that. So as a follow-up judge, should should the lawyer take the view that if it's not on mass courts, they should assume that it's probably not where it needs to be? Because I know pre-COVID that wasn't necessarily the case. So I think it is, um, there are a number of places it could be depending on where it was sent. I would, uh, to, oh, this is very important. So if you have a North case, please send it to Lowell. So I know that the, 
the rules say that you can file in both places and you can if you if you're unable to send it to Lowell for some reason you can send you can have it filed in Cambridge but it's taking a it's a, just because of the number the of of um, the reduced number of people who are working in the registry we're not getting the paperwork from Cambridge um, quickly so uh, it is if you're if it's only reaching Cambridge you know within 10 days of your hearing it may not get to us in Lowell so uh, please send things directly to Lowell if you have the North judges Dylan, if you need to file during the hearing a rebuttal document or a document that didn't get there, whatever, how would how would the attorneys do that? So if during the hearing that um, the, there is something that you want to file or the court wants from you, then mm -hmm. we give authority to, to email things in, but we're moving away from that. There should be no assumption that things that are, f that are just sent to a clerk or an AJCM without specific authority from the judge is going to be considered and made it made make it into the file and be ever be docketed honestly and, and no documents are being transferred over zoom right no i think uh, that's that's in the works but that's none, none of that's happened yet we're one step at a time but the attorneys know can file during a hearing by e-filing right or i'm sorry emailing correct if you if you ask for something or if they have a rebuttal document or something Yes, so, but They're not limited to what correct. got to court but a couple days no earlier. So there should be no presumption that if you have, if you haven't, um, I mean, there, if you have not filed what needs to be filed, there shouldn't be a presumption that you're then going to be able to send everything in at the end of the hearing. Like you're everything, I know that in the order that was published, it says some things could be done day of, um, like financial statements. I mean, I think that those can be done in advance, honestly. Um, but don't think that you can come to a, a, a hearing on a guardianship and not do your findings of fact and not do your, you know, if, and uh, all of those things. Those things can all be done in advance and actually those can even be e-filed, so. Um, we have a hard stop at two o'clock, so, and I do wanna get to the questions, but I wanted to ask you, uh, so we'll cut my little game short, but uh, Judge Allen, I know you, you've started doing trials on Zoom. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, it, the, I had a, a one-day trial on Zoom. I have another one tomorrow, a um, couple more next week. So I, I send out very specific trial orders. I was, I were, because the one I did last week was prior to the courthouse opening, I um, got permission from the court officers to allow them to drop off their exhibits. Uh, so would they dropped off all of their exhibits and then they did exactly what you do in a regular, you know, pre-COVID trial where they met in advance and they dropped off for me the binders uh, uh, two days in advance so I could review the uncontested exhibits. And um, I just had um, <clears throat> everybody go very slowly. Um, I did have the party who was not speaking muted and um, counsel was in, was inquiring of the other party. Um, the I had the opposing counsel um, muted for part of it and if there was an objection just sort of was more of a physical objection then um, but we just moved slowly so that uh, it could be considered everybody was very cooperative um, very polite. I actually think it, it helped make the whole make people be very civil and very polite because the cross-examination maybe wasn't quite as 
dramatic as some of them can be <laughs> um, over Zoom, but uh, it worked very well. Well, that's good. And, and Lori, you had some great feedback about some of the trial points we talked so, about last um, specific, well, so uh, my understanding, I, ju I just know a little bit about Norfolk and Judge Phelan. Um, one of his concerns was that, and I don't, I don't know um, if this is uh, in all courts, but uh, that FTR, when you're actually there, can pick up who's speaking based on the microphones. But because Zoom is all coming through one source, one of the things that he had um, people do in his Zoom trials is identify themselves before they talked. Um, and that's just a pointer for telephone hearings as well, which is just before you speak, make sure you remind you know say who you are because it's not even remind nobody knows who you are because they can't see you but that was just an interesting um that that will be very judge specific and court specific i think as to whether or not you need to say this is laura gibbs on behalf of you know plaintiff mom whatever um so that was one thing another was oh, judge allen exactly what you were saying you know he would say i would ask people to stand to object simply because i'm i, I see that there's movement all the more reason to wear pants um but you know he his rule was I'm just choosing not to stand I, everything's fine i was just asking for a friend asking for a friend but um so so those are just some pointers is really not only think about how to get attention and how to get attention in a respectful way uh particularly by phone i see one of the questions is you know what can we do there's not a tremendous amount we can do and i know um judge barber said that when someone is um speaking and judge allen i think you had the same problem as well the judge can't even interrupt you when it's by a telephone hearing so you oh. are just speaking 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 and even if we want to interrupt you we can't and so um it's really being mindful speaking quickly i tend to speak very quickly but also taking a breath so that your judge can say hey i have a question i mean particularly if you're on a telephone hearing they can't raise their hand or stop you in any way or mute you um, so telephone hearings and Zoom hearings, I guess we'll have to have another session because I know we're out of time, but there are a lot of pointers about um, how to uh, intervene or how to get attention, and most of it is physical on Zoom. Judge John, were you finding people were yelling and screaming over one another, or were people for the sounds like people were pretty calm um, in the trial no they was they the everybody was was excellent and I said in advance that you know I, I the that everybody was going to get their opportunity to do their recross and redirect etc so um the uh i have had other more contentious hearings and sometimes you just have to have everybody you know take a breath and remind everybody that i'm going to get to everybody and i and if it's self-represented parties who are feeling anxious because they don't feel that the truth is being told i I encourage them to take make a note so that they make sure that they know what is what to come back to and I and that was um, and also in the trial that this I did that because one of the parties was self represented um, uh, one of the trials they um, I said uh, make sure you take notes and I will we will come back to you and you can sum things up in your closing etc um, great thank you so there's um, let me turn to some of these questions this is I think the, there's a few questions that, that are basically the same, which is how do you deal with situations where someone's either low income, um, doesn't have access to a computer, um, how are the courts gonna, gonna handle those sorts of litigants or, or pro ses, I guess might fall into the same bucket potentially. 
so by the by telephonic hearings so my philosophy is if that if you if you need a hearing you're going to get a hearing and the and you know we go through all the processes here of emergencies and non-emergencies but i've really tried during covid to to get everybody to get a hearing if they need, if they want a hearing and um, whether it be telephonic or by Zoom. And are you, are you having people, because I know on Zoom you can actually telephone into the Zoom without using your computer if you wanted to. Are people doing that? I haven't had that. I've had a couple, I've had people who are unable, who do not have smartphones um, or do not feel comfortable with Zoom and we just do everything by the telephone. So. If someone wants to use, this is a, just my question, follow up. If, if someone wants, if, if, if everyone wants to use Zoom, but someone doesn't have a camera or doesn't want you to see them specifically, would you do the Zoom with one sort of black image on the screen? If somebody wants to have their video off, I, I, mean, I, really, I haven't had that come up, but if somebody was really protesting and wanted to only, I, I would really want to inquire why, it's, yeah. it's, because I don't know if that means that they, I would want to know why, what's going on, um, and uh, maybe we would move it to everybody being on the telephone, or I don't, I really have to, it's so specific to what's happening in that, because it, it, I think that there, it sounds like if somebody's trying to be in a situation where they're being coached or they there's something going on they don't want me to know about I need to really kind of figure that out mm -hmm. um, here's another question has the definition of what qualifies as an emergency changed um, for motion hearings that can get scheduled sooner rather than later I mean no it's all still the same it's a, those 11 categories so the healthcare proxies the marriage without a delay restraining orders dnrs comfort measures all of those those 11 categories are still the um the emergencies and then the, the um, motions and contempts that have exigent circumstances mm -hmm. uh, the next question is about e-filing and some of the difficulties in filing certain documents um, the question is essentially what's being done about this. Do, do you know, Judge, if they're expanding the Tyler network or? Um, I just know that really the the um, concerns that the attorneys that that public has, attorneys have about the restrictions on e-filing is echoed by the judges and we're advocating to have it expanded. Um, I, I'm hope, we're hopeful that that's gonna happen, but mm -hmm. right now that, is what it is with you know the contract. So um, we're hoping that it's going to be expanded, and anything that is not um, allowed for e-file needs to come in through um, mail or delivery. And one of the practice points that I can add to this is I know certain count certain counties are up and running with the virtual registry now, and I think each county's sort of a different. Even within that, the ones that are turned on. You know, Essex is taking basically everything through the virtual registry and some counties are only taking certain things. But for me as a practitioner, that's become one of, you know, I'll, I'll check in if that county's doing virtual registry. I'll check in and start there and say, hey, you know, can I file this? And sometimes it's yes. And sometimes I have to just, you know, drive over and drop it in the box. But that's an, that can be a, an efficient option. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been very quick. I've had no, I haven't had to wait for more than five minutes in any instance, probably in a dozen efforts. Um, so it's certainly worth giving that a shot if you're looking, you know, save yourself the time of having to drive over or put something in the mail. 
And I think the courts are looking to be able to utilize that, you know, more heavily as time goes on. Yes, I think that everything is going towards virtual registries, virtual courtrooms, all of that. So we're all moving in that direction. And I know that it's frustrating because things that even are allowed to be filed, say motions in a 1B, if you have a, 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 a lot of exhibits attached to it, it gets rejected. So I, I understand that that's frustrating. Uh, Judge, here's another. How do you register objections during telephone or Zoom? Say that again? How do you address objections? Um, so during a trial, as this, I mean, no differently than I do during a regular trial. So I stop and I listen to it and I rule on it. So for documents that cannot be e-filed, such as proposed orders, I guess we sort of talked about this. What's the best way to get that to the judge? So <clears throat> if it's pri, if you have it, um, completed in advance, you can, provide it to the registry uh, two days in advance. If it's something that I ask for uh, during the hearing, then I will you know, give permission to send it in by email to my clerk. Um, in a Zoom trial, how can a judge or opposing counsel be sure that the witness is not being coached? Uh, so, <clears throat> I, I mean, I obviously we're watching them. I mean, you can, it's very difficult for people to fake that. <laughs> you know, I don't think that um, the, um, you know, I, I'm able to tell if they're distracted or being talking, talking to somebody else, you know, they wouldn't be able to maintain the eye contact. They wouldn't be able to maintain the concentration. Um, I, so I haven't, I haven't had <clears throat> any issues in Zoom uh, in trials or, or any type of Zoom hearing with that. Um, except for save two, you know, maybe twice that has happened. And I've just asked them to have the person leave the room and they did. Okay, great. I, um, I know we have some more questions, but uh, unfortunately I just got pinged that it's time to wrap up. Um, so the, the hooks coming, we're being pulled off the stage, but I, I, I really wanna thank the audience and, and the panel for tuning in today. A um, lot of really great information from the panel. I really uh, appreciate your participation. Um, next week, uh, same time, Tuesday at 1 p.m., we've got another, uh, I think, really interesting panel. It's going to be focusing on the COVID impact as it pertains to 209A restraining orders and domestic violence issues. We've got Judge Christopher from the Probate and Family Court and uh, Suffolk Probate and Family Court, as well as um, uh, the director of child witness to violence and two um, highly experienced uh, domestic violence attorneys. So it's going to be a lot of interesting information. Thank you very much, everybody. And we will see you next week. Take Thank care. You. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you all very much.